0: Good. What is your confession? Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised to life on the third day. He ascended to the Father and He ever lives to pray for you and me. Isn't that great? I was thinking as we were singing that last song how that sometimes when we're going through difficulties, we begin to doubt our value. We begin to think, well, If God really loved me and cared about me, I wouldn't be going through this. But nothing could be further from the truth. God loves you. So make that your confession. Amen? Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. He's always there calling your name in prayer to the Father. And because he is omniscient, he can do it. Say amen. Amen. Hey, I'm going to begin a brand new series today. And they all went... They went something, yeah. Amen. So let's get ready for that. Pull out the sermon section. Pull out the Bible app on your phone. Do not mistake it for Angry Birds. Let me uh, ask you, if you will, please, and in beginning immediately, if you would pick up all the trick-or-treat fa- uh, candy you can and bring it to the church. I'm, I'm kind of hungry through the week, so I would ap- appreciate it. <laughs> we're going to do a, a community outreach on the 31st. That's a Wednesday night. We're going to really – we're watching the weather to see what all is available as far as outside. We, we may rent some fun things to play on for the kids, but we want to do that. But we need a lot of candy because we want to lure those little rascals in, you know. <laughs> so beginning immediately, if you – when you go by the store, grab several bags. We'll try to have a, a barrel uh, somewhere there. If we just pitch it in there, we're going to have a, a, a big event here uh, on that night, a safe place. For people to bring their kids, so remember that on the thirty-first we're we'll gonna be doing that. So, let's see, you have the twenty-first and the twenty-eighth to to drop it off. So don't forget, amen. Don't forget. Today I'm gonna to begin to talk to you about life principles. Life principles, and I have ten of these. It won't take me ten weeks. And they all said, <laughs> "Thank God." Uh, <clears throat> i got ten of these. Some weeks I think I'll be able to preach more than one point on them. But I'm going to talk to you about life principles. And I think that sometimes people begin to think of success as something that happens when you get lucky. You get lucky and you're successful. You get unlucky and you're not so successful. But here is my thesis for this series. Here's what I I want you to truly understand from this series, that success... As God defines it, has nothing to do with luck. It, success is something that is built. When you and I decide to build a successful life on the principles of God's Word, you don't have to think, I hope I get lucky and I'm successful. You say, I will be successful because my life is built on the principles of God's Word. And that would be a good place for an amen. Amen. And you notice anything different about me? I got new glasses. You people are so much clearer today. And that's a little spooky. I also noticed on the pulpit, there's a million little dots of spittle everywhere. I never saw that before. Who's (laughs) supposed to clean this thing up? Good Lord. If a murder ever happens up here, my DNA is everywhere. Back in 2006, my wife and I had been uh, driving the back roads. It's one of our favorite things to do. If you're not from the country, you don't understand it, just accept it the way it is. We, we were driving the back roads, and uh, that was kind of our recreation. I know that's sad, but that was, uh, <laughs> we, we enjoyed doing that. And, and we came upon a place about 10 miles east of town. There was an old house that was 100 years old or more, and it was in terrible shape. Uh, you could tell the people that had lived in the, in the place had just thrown their trash out the back door for years and years and years. So there was just a lot of junk there. And uh, we noticed there was a for sale sign on it. And we walked up and we looked at it. The briar patch with junk, trash everywhere, an old house falling down. And we looked at each other and said, isn't this great? Isn't this great? If we had this land, can you imagine what we could do with it? It would, it would be great. We could put this little log cabin on it. We could clean it up and all that. And so uh we negotiated actually a retired minister owned it and uh, he put us to the top of the line. There's a lot of people trying to buy it. We bought it and um and immediately we we were like we were like kids. We would literally go out there on the lawnmower and we'd be sitting side by side mowing the yard. <laughs> Both of us on the lawnmower at the same time. We were so excited to have this piece of property that you know I'd get on the tractor and start mowing, she'd hop on it. And it didn't have two seats; we were sharing one seat, and 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 we were mowing this land. And uh, I borrowed a a, uh, a huge skidster from a guy, dug a big old hole. We started burying trash and all that, and and eventually we were able to tear down the old house because it was such an eyesore. And we have this, in my opinion, beautiful piece of land. And we looked at each other and said, if we get real lucky, there'll be a house here someday. And then we waited a year, and our luck didn't change. The house was never there. And we waited 10 years, and we stood there waiting for our luck to change, and still there was no house on that land. Part of this story is a lie. Do you know what part it was? Because once we got it cleaned up, a guy came in and knew what he was doing, and he put a foundation in, just the way we told him we wanted. We drew it up on a drafting program and said, this is the way we want the foundation to to look and the dimensions. And And a guy came in, dug trenches everywhere, and filled them with concrete. And we had this stem wall all the way around it. And and then the county commi- inspector came out and inspected it and said, yes, your foundation is good. We went to Arkansas pretty close to where – Uh, We grew up, and there's a a cedar sawmill down there. We ordered a tractor-trailer load of cedar logs. They're called D-logs, if you know what that is. And one day, this big tractor-trailer flatbed came driving up into that piece of land and unloaded this huge load of big red cedar logs. And, And then we started working. We started working. You may not know it, but my wife can literally carry a log. I saw her carrying logs from the pile to the saw to trim them to... To, to length, and we would work, and some of you were here then. Some of, you were, some of you actually even stepped in and helped us at that time. And over the course, from about September through January, we were working and working one step upon another. I figured eventually that it took four hours to make one circle with those logs, and no matter what you did, it still took four hours. <laughs> you could not speed it up. It took four hours. So in an eight-hour day, you would make two loops around that thing, and you'd gain about 10 inches of height on the wall on any given day. Eventually the time came where February rolled around, February of 2007. We moved in. We didn't yet have a water heater, so that first shower was a brutal, brutal awakening. But I think later that day we put a, a water heater in. And you do notice it's a water heater. It's not a hot water heater. You do know that, don't you? Why would you buy a hot water heater? Because if water is already hot, it doesn't need to be heated. Just so you know when you go to Lowe's, you're not buying a hot water heater. You're buying a water heater, right? The point I'm making (laughs) is luck doesn't build anything. Time won't build anything you got to have a blueprint, and you've got to have skilled labor. You've got to know what you're doing and put something together. I'm going to tell you here today, friends, that every one of us has everything we need to be, quote-unquote, successful as God defines it. Now, success for you is being a rock star, maybe not. I've heard you sing. You know? If success for you is is being filthy, stinking rich, maybe not. But I'm telling you, as far as God defines success, you have what you need to be successful. The question is, will you take the time to lay the foundation? Will you take the time to start building on that foundation something that God can bless? Because I believe that it all boils down to this. My success in life and your success in life as a believer goes down to one simple question Can God honor me with his blessings? Can God honor me with his blessings? Now, I'm going to shrink that down to this and say, am I blessable? (laughs) Am I blessable? Can God honor his principles because he will honor his principles? But if my life is built upon his principles, he will honor me. If my life is not built upon his principles, I have bound his hands and I am not letting him bless me. Amen. So if my life is blessable, it will be blessed. Now I'm going to give you, like I said, about ten key principles here. I'm not going to say faith. I always kind of struggle with that. Should, is faith one of these principles? Because the reason I don't have a principle called faith is because I believe faith is part of every principle. It's, it's in, ingrained in every one of them. So I want to begin with the very first principle. and That's the only one I'll talk about today because I want to talk to you sufficiently about it. God forbid that I would not talk sufficiently, right, <laughs> about any given subject. The integrity principle. The integrity principle. Look at that word. It's on the screen, integrity. It's from a family of words. Do you remember back in math class they talked about integers? Remember that? Anybody? Anybody? And I, when I started to, to, to write this message on integrity, my mind went back to that old math term, integers. And I, I asked my wife, I said, can you remind me what an integer was? And she said, I remember it, but I'm not sure. So I, I Googled it. That's research. An integer, a whole number. It's not a fraction. It's a whole number. It's whole. We use words like integrate. If something is integrated, it's brought together and made a whole. We use words like disintegrate, where the integration has been taken apart and it has disintegrated. I'm mispronouncing it on purpose, so you'll hear the word. It has disintegrated into many parts. It's not together. It's not whole anymore. Integrity means that all the aspects of my life have been brought together in a cohesive wholeness. There's not a part of me contradicting, contradicting another part of me. There's not a piece of me that's out there in left field and the other part of me is in right field. I have brought it all together under the power of God, under the principles of God, and I'm living an integrated life. That's what integrity is. Tell me you're getting it. The ultimate expression of integrity then is when my whole life, listen, when my whole life, comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ. When all of my life is flowing out of his authority over my life, there's nothing in me that is in rebellion against my Lord. When any part of me is rebelling against Jesus, I have lost integration. A part of me has disintegrated from the rest of me, and I am not living an integrity life. Amen? This is plowing pretty deep for this early, isn't it? When God spoke to Solomon, David's son, integrity was his major concern. In 1 Kings chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, As for you, if, 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 what did I say? It's conditional. Can I tell you guys something you've been posting on Facebook that's not true? If it's God's will, you can't stop it. I see various forms of that. That's not true. God has all kinds of conditional promises. If you believe, this will happen. If you disobey, this will happen. If you obey, the if, 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 if. Watch. If you walk before me in what? Integrity of heart and uprightness as, your, as David, your father, did, and do all I command and observe all my decrees and laws, watch. I'll make you successful. And that's my paraphrase. But look what he says. I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. As I promised David, your father, when I said you shall never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Solomon, I promise you, if you will walk in integrity of heart, I will make you successful as a king. I will keep your seed on the throne forever if you will walk in integrity. The Bible says in Psalms 78-72, David had shepherd them with integrity of heart, and with skillful hands he led them. David went so far as to say that God is going to test us. He's going to test us. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. So the Old Testament, he sets it up and says integrity is everything. If you guys want to succeed, you're going to have to be people of integrity. Now let's jump to the New Testament real quickly, and, and then we'll get ready to perhaps take a few notes or, or something like that, uh, you think? Let me do a couple more Old Testament. i see here. I'm jumping ahead of myself. So Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him on earth. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. He still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. God bragged to Satan, This guy still has integrity, even though he has been unjustly punished. Job's wife is impressed as well. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? (laughs) Give her a break. She just lost all her kids, you know. She's she's, she's mourning, but she says, Job, what are you doing still holding on to your integrity? Let's talk about some, some promises here, shall we? Here's how God responds to integrity. He says, people of integrity, they will be protected. They will be protected. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you. There are people who ask of David, how did you survive that? How in the world did you survive that? He said, because... God protected me because of my integrity. How did you survive that? I heard Joyce Myers saying the other day. Some of you have watched a lot of her stuff, but I, I thought it was it's very. Uh, I don't know whether the word courageous is, but she was talking about her testimony, how that she, as a little girl, was molested throughout her childhood by her father. And her parent her mother knew about it and did not protect her. And she's talking about people come up and say, How did you survive that? This is because God is bigger than every weapon formed against me. Hello? Wouldn't you like for people, not that you want to go through something terrible, wouldn't you like for people to once in a while look at you in your battle and go, how did you survive that? And you go. It's a miracle. It literally is a miracle. It's a miracle I survived that because as a person of spiritual integrity, God protected me. And for reasons no one understands, I wasn't killed. I wasn't destroyed. I wasn't defeated. They will be held up and set in God's presence. Psalm 41 and 12. In my integrity, where? Where? In my integrity you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. In my integrity. So God, David said, God rushes to a person of integrity. He rushes to them, He holds them up, and He holds them together. A person of integrity is that person that God's presence is right with them. God enjoys being with people of integrity. I'm not saying be perfect. I'm saying be a person of integrity. You brought your life together under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, under the authority of His Word. There's not weird stuff that doesn't fit sticking out of your life. It's all been brought together under the Lordship of Christ. And in that, God says, I'm going to come and hang out with this person. I'm going to be right there in their presence. Their life will be secure. Proverbs 10, 9. The man of integrity walks securely, and he who, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. A man, a person, a woman of integrity doesn't need to worry about what truth might be revealed. Amen? They don't have to be worried about what someone might find out. The truth is on his side. The truth is on her side. And there is such tremendous security in the truth about me will defend me. The truth about me will uphold me, he says. They will be guided. He said the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed in their duplicity, which is the opposite of integrity. Duplicity pulls different directions. There's a contrast there. Integrity makes life Real simple. Just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Integrity doesn't wrestle with should I do this, should I do that? De- integrity said, What's the right path? And then integrity does the right thing. So God's concern for your integrity. Now here's where it started to go a I ago. Sorry for skipping a page. Let's talk about the New Testament for a moment and we'll we'll take a few final notes. Our integrity is demonstrated through our desires. The Bible says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. That's Matthew 6.22. Now, if you read that in the King James Version, it would say if your eyes are single. And that is the best translation of this verse because literally the original language says if your eyes are single, in other words, if they have integrity, if your desires, and I think "I" is a... Metaphor for desires. If your desires are desires of integrity, your whole body will be full of life and light. But when your desires are something else, your body is full of darkness. He said, no one can serve two masters. You'll be drawn to one and repelled but to the other. Paul addresses integrity twice in the book of Second Corinthians. He says, now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we've conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you in holiness and sincerity. And that sincerity literally means singleness that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom but according to God's grace. So he says, my conscience is clear because we are people of integrity. And a few chapters later, several chapters later, in chapter 11, he says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, Your minds may have been led astray from your sincere, and again that word is single, pure devotion to Christ. Let's skip to James. James points out that a double-minded person is unstable in all they do. A double minded person is a person who doesn't have integrity of spirit. Part of them wants to go this way, and part of them wants to go that way. They want to have one step one foot in the things of God and one thing at foot in the things of the world. They haven't yet brought it all together to say, My life is a life of integrity. Now, you ready to take those notes? Four Biblical Foundations of Integrity. Now I gave you a ton of scripture, so you know I'm not just up here spouting off something that that I, I'm basing this all in the word. say Amen. So now let me share with you a little bit about how we might apply this. Four biblical foundations of integrity, number one, humility. and I want you to listen very carefully here. Are you listening? No one gets it right by glossing over what's wrong. No one gets it right by glossing over what's wrong. Here's a revelation for us. <laughs> you are a work in progress. Excuse the grammar, but you ain't done yet. <laughs> you ain't done yet. You still got some, some kinks and quirks and faults and flaws. And humility will let the work continue. Humility will look for the things that aren't integrous. I'm not sure I just made a word up or not. Humility will allow me to say, is there any part of my life that isn't lining up with the rest of me Is there anything in me that is pulling against biblical truth for me? Have I allowed some habit, some disposition, some attitude to form and stay in me that is not coherent and cohesive with who I am in Christ? Amen? Humility allows me to take a look at myself through the lens of Scripture and in the light of the Holy Spirit and say, God, help me, there's a part of me that is not integrity. There's a part of me that I know you're not happy with. There's a part of me I need to repent of and I need to ask your help with. Amen? Humility allows me to step into the light and say, God, help me get where I need to be because there's something not right with me. I don't know where you go in this. I had a a, a lady... You look like you need a story. Do you need a story? What if it's not a funny story? You still up for that? All right. I had a, a lady come by my office one time. You don't know her, or I couldn't tell the story without changing her name. I'm just kidding. I'm not. You don't know her really. Um, and she said, uh, Pastor, I'd I'd like you to uh, to. Pray with me that I would be filled with the Holy Spirit. I I want a closer, more intimate walk with the Lord. And I hear you guys talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and all that's involved in that. And since she was not just a church person, she was a neighbor, I knew some stuff that normal pastors don't know that was going on. And I said, well, I'll, I'll be okay Praying for you, but I'm not sure you want me to. She said, What do you mean? I said, Well, you're a single lady, right? She said, Yeah. I said, I'm your neighbor, and I happen to notice that you have overnight company all the time. Uh, do, you, is, do you not see a problem with that? She said, No, I don't. I, you know, I, you know, God understands we're consenting adults and what we do, we do. And then I said, Here's why I don't think you want me to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Because if you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you try to live in sexual immorality, you will be miserable. The Holy Spirit will cry out, every time you head down that path, there will be such a loss of integrity in your spirit that you're not going to be happy. Are you sure you want to? You did want a story, didn't you? Every time you head down that path, this incredibly unpleasant feeling called conviction is going to set in. And you're going to be sad and you're going to wrestle with God and you guys are going to fight all the time and the Holy Spirit is going to be saying, do not subject me to impurity. And you're going to be saying, oh, get over it. And and you guys are going to be fighting all the time. It's not going to work out because God is a God of spiritual integrity. Amen? God is a God of spiritual integrity. And humility allows me to... To back up and say, God, search me, search me, search me. And even if I can lie to everybody else, I can't lie to you. God knows what's going on between my ears. Hello? God knows if I secretly look at pornography. And it is a breakdown in integrity. God knows if there are feelings of greed and jealousy and bitterness in my heart. And it's a breakdown in integrity. And here's what humility does. Humility allows me to step into the presence of God and say, God, help me with this stuff. Amen? Donna's amen to me. What about you guys? (laughs) Anybody over here? All right. We will move on then. Secondly, biblical knowledge. The right ways of life are revealed through Scripture. The right ways of life are revealed through Scripture. Biblical knowledge. Are you getting it? Are you learning it? Are you opening up your Bible? Are you letting God speak to you through his word? The right ways, not the cultural ways. Are you getting it? I don't know right from wrong unless the Bible tells me. My mind can deceive me. My mind can rationalize and my mind can justify. But the word of God is the same. He just stands there and says, This is right and this is wrong. This is true and this is false. And so if I'm going to be a person of integrity, I've I've got to embrace Biblical truth. Amen. I hate being my own amen and begging for amens, but you guys are really slow on the draw today. Secondly, accountability. Sin is like mold. It grows in dark places. There's no accountability, we tend to let ourselves off the hook. Listen, listen. Are you listening? Satan wants us to get all alone with our secrets. That's where sin is empowered, when we are all alone with our secrets. You've got to be careful who you share your secrets with. I I know that. It's got to be a trusted, mature believer that can help you work through them. But that's where, in our secret world, that's where spiritual neglect and compromise begins to lead us to a point of vulnerability so that the enemy can take us down. Some time ago, I instituted a policy with the deacons. I said, Guys, going forward, I really feel strong about this. We're going in twos. Every month when we have our deacon meeting, you're either going to have a partner or we're going to assign you a partner. And you're going to meet with that partner off and on throughout the month because we need accountability. We need some other brother who loves Jesus, who loves us, to ask us what's going on in your life. Let me in to your secret world. Let's talk about what's going on. I don't want to be a person without accountability. I want somebody who loves me and is gracious to me to come up every once in a while and say, how are you doing? How is your devotional life? How are you in your word? How's your thought life? How's the purity of your thought? I need that. We need that. Accountability. It is the foundation of integrity. Amen? One of the foundations of integrity. And then fourth, prayer. Conversations with God. They either confirm that we are right or they repel where we are wrong. Conversations with God. When you really talk to God. I, I told my Sunday school class this morning, my coffee talk class this morning, I said, don't do not do daily devotions to check a box. Don't do daily devotions so the next time I preach about de- devotions you won't feel guilty. I said, do devotions so that you and Jesus have an encounter do devotion so that you and Jesus have a talk. Because I don't know how it happens with you, but when I get in the presence of God, and, and yes, there's a time where he says, Jeff, I love you. I say, Father, I love you too. And, and we're talking like that. And then he eventually gets around to saying, hey, there's pieces to your life I'm not real happy with. So when you did this, I want you to think about this when when you said that let's go back and let's visit this again And so something is going on in that conversation with god where god is making me a person of integrity God is saying you've got to change the way you think about that you've got to change the way you react to that You've got to fix some stuff and my holy spirit is going to be there to help you do it But we've got to do some work on you So I pray not to say, oh, let's check a box so that I can say I'm that good little Christianette that everyone likes. I can check a box and, now let's just throw the box away and say, God, please, the piece of me that is out of order, the part of me that is incongruous, you help me pull that out? Help me get that out of me. Can I real quickly, and I know you've taken all the notes, I, I found this late and it may be a blessing. It was a real blessing to me, but maybe, but maybe you've got some space on your notes you can take. I'd like to give you, um, I got these from Chuck Swindle just a couple of days ago, uh, six blessings of integrity. It's not, it's not original with me, but I, I, I wrote them down. I thought this is such so good. Maybe you won't think so, but I do. 6 but scribble these down somewhere. if if you'd like to remember them. Six blessings of integrity. Number one, the privilege of setting a good example. The privilege of setting a good example. Man, I I would like to think that the people who modeled something after me, that it was a good thing. The privilege of setting a good example. Secondly, the relief of a clean conscience. When you lay down at night, you start snoring. Every snore is, I have a clean conscience. Some of you have very clean consciences. I have a clean conscience. Number three, the delight of intimacy with God. The delight of intimacy with God. Or, Man, Jesus are tight. You know, we're... We're not fighting about anything. Jesus and me are are walking on the same page. Certainly not perfect, but there's not this part, there's not something habitually in me that he's having to say, stop, stop, stop. There is this intimacy that I have with the Lord when I'm walking in integrity. Number four, an unsoiled legacy. An unsoiled legacy. I still celebrate something one of my kids said to me a few years ago kid said dad i never one time doubted your relationship with jesus that to me is an unsoiled legacy it's an unsoiled legacy number 5 the privilege of mentoring others the privilege of mentoring others When I gather young people around me or not-so-young people and I I pour into their life, if I weren't, if they didn't see me as a person of integrity, they wouldn't want to hear anything I have to say. But it is a privilege to mentor people because they look at you and, and they say, you've got something there. Number six, the crowning reward of finishing well. I know folks who I call asterisk finishers. You know the asterisk? There are people, there are pastors, there are preachers who I guarantee you that their failures are so old, some of you weren't even born when they failed and they went into sin. And they came back and they resumed. But I can guarantee you the day they pass away, Somebody on the news is going to say, oh, yeah, remember when they did that? There's an asterisk next to their name. Remember when that evangelist was caught visiting a prostitute? Remember that? Remember when this happened? Remember when there's an asterisk there? You know what? I would love to finish this race without an asterisk. I'd love that. I'd like to step up beside Billy Graham, not in fame and fortune, but Billy Graham finished the race without an asterisk. Everybody said, good job, Billy. You fought a good fight. You finished the race. You kept the faith. I want to finish that way. When my people who know me the best look upon my legacy, I really would like for them to be able to say, he wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a man of integrity. He was a man of integrity. You never... Had to question his integrity. The crowning achievement of finishing well. Now, here is my thesis for you. Here's the foundation. You're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. If you follow the blueprint. You, if you're not already, You will be someone's hero. You will. And your integrity will either contradict or confirm that call, that identity. Somebody, somewhere, and I'll even change it and say somebodies, somewhere, are going to look at you and think, how awesome. What a great person. What a great woman of God. What a great man of God. And your integrity will then rise up and confirm that. Or your integrity will rise up and contradict that. Let's let's confirm it. I know you can't be perfect. I'm definitely not by any stretch of the imagination. But what I want to be is a person of integrity. Where there's not some... Something clinging to my life that is ungodly, unbiblical, and it's just kind of sticking the wrong direction. And I'm trying to say, well, don't don't look at this, look at this. You know, I don't want to do that. If there's something in me that contradicts Christ's lordship over me, I want it out of me, right? I want it away from me. I I want to be a person who is aligned, well, and not just. When people are looking, but especially when they're not, especially when they're not, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us to say, listen, be a man of integrity, be a woman of integrity, be a child of God of integrity. Okay, we bought the land. We cleaned up the junk. Are we just going to hope a house shows up on it? Or are we going to say, let's get to work. Let's get to work. Let's start building this house, this house of integrity. Let's get the foundation put in. I've talked to you about it today. Let's get ready to build it and make sure we have the home of our dreams called integrity. Amen. Stand with me, please. Last year I gave you a, or last week I gave you a sort of a little banner to walk under. I want to remind you of it. Grace happens here. Grace happens here. Because if you, if you look at your life today and you go, well, there's a lot of stuff here that is not congruous with who I'm supposed to be. And now I feel like a hypocrite. No, don't do that. Grace happens here. Grace happens here. But what is about to happen in the next few seconds is absolutely critical. It's where God has spoken to you this morning through this message. And if you're honest, some stuff has come into your mind. And the Lord is saying, hey, this doesn't belong in your life. This this, this junk right here is breaking down your integrity. Now, you got to get rid of it you got to stop living that way. you got to stop acting that way. You've got to clean up what's inside of you. And see, here in a few minutes, we're going to go racing off to the nearest buffet. See, if you're not careful, this will slip away from you. Don't let your integrity. Don't let your integrity slip away. If you say today, there are things in my private life. That are not real Christ-like. Please don't feel condemned. Grace happens here. But please say, Jesus, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me start pushing that stuff out of my life. I want to be blessable. I want to be blessable. I want God to look down and say, I can bless him, I can bless her. And that's what integrity does. It puts you in a position where God can bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that grace happens here. Thank you, Lord, that there is nothing so unclean, nothing so vile that repulses you. That you rush to us sometimes in all of our soiled identity you rush to us please sir let this not be a time of guilt let this be a time of repentance and help us Lord to say God fix me created me a clean heart created me a clean mind Give me the strength to break the chains that have me bound to things that are unlike you. Help me release unforgiveness. Help me release bitterness. Help me release lust. Help me release everything, Lord, that is unlike you so I can be a man or a woman. And, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today who does not have a personal relationship with you, I ask you, Lord, to give them the faith right now to believe that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a sinless life, that you died for their sins, and you were resurrected, and you ascended to the Father, and you ever live to pray for them. Help them, Lord, to believe that and by faith, by faith, know that you love them and that you are receiving them into your family through their repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. If you pray to receive Christ this morning, please let us know. You need some help getting started and we'd like to to be that help. Right now, shake some hands, maybe hug some necks, and we'll see you next week for principle number two.